Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcasts at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's simpler to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com, you can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find some internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from NHK Japan, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, France 24, and Radio Havana, Cuba. We will begin with NHK World Radio Japan. Putin and Xi Jinping met on the sidelines of a Belt and Road Forum in Beijing, where 140 countries met to be part of the huge 10-year-old economic zone. Russia is joining China in restricting imports of Japanese seafood until further tests for radioactive contamination from the water being dumped from Fukushima into the Pacific Ocean. The United Nations Security Council rejected a ceasefire in Gaza put forth by Russia. NHK Japan Chinese President Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin have met in Beijing on the sidelines of the Belt and Road Forum. They reaffirmed close ties between their countries amid deepening confrontation with the West. Representatives from more than 140 countries are attending the meeting on China's initiative aimed at creating a huge economic zone. Xi and Putin delivered speeches. International Belt and Road Cooperation has gotten off the ground, grown rapidly, and has produced fruitful outcomes over the past 10 years. Putin praised the initiative. Belt and Road logically fits into multilateral efforts to strengthen creative and constructive interaction throughout the global community. The leaders then left the venue and sat down for a bilateral summit. China's state-run media say she referred to Putin as an old friend. As great powers, China is willing to work with Russia. We will contribute to the development and revitalization of both countries, to maintaining international justice and promoting common development around the world. In the current difficult conditions, close foreign policy coordination is especially necessary. We're already doing that, and we'll discuss it today. Putin told reporters after the talks he and she discussed Ukraine and the Middle East, including the Israel-Hamas conflict. He said those external factors are common threats that only strengthen interactions between Russia and China. Authorities in Russia say the country is joining China in restricting imports of Japanese fishery products from Monday. Japan has reacted sharply. Russia's quarantine and sanitary authorities announced the restrictions will be in place until necessary information on the safety of Japanese seafood is provided to and analyzed by Russian regulators. Japan exported about $1.86 million worth of marine products to Russia last year. That's about a tenth of a percent of Japan's total seafood exports. 
In late August, China suspended seafood imports from Japan in response to the release of treated and diluted water from the damaged Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. The Russian authorities said last month they were considering joining China. Japan's foreign ministry launched a protest and strongly demanded a retraction, calling the move regrettable and not based on scientific evidence. The International Atomic Energy Agency says the operation to release treated and diluted water into the ocean is consistent with international safety standards. The UN Secretary Council has rejected a Russian resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. The proposal on Monday also called for the release of all hostages, opening of access to humanitarian aid in Gaza. It also condemned violence against civilians and all acts of terrorism, without referring to Hamas. Russia, China, the United Arab Emirates, and two other countries voted in favor, while the United States, Britain, France, and Japan were against. Nine votes were needed for passage. Six countries abstained. Russia's ambassador to the United Nations criticized those who voted against resolution. He said Western countries have stamped on the world's expectations that the UN would take steps toward ending the bloodletting. The U.S. ambassador to the UN responded with a condemnation of Hamas's actions. Those reports are from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard at 10 p.m. at 13.710 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. NHK may also be found at most podcast sites, as is the shortwave report. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. The bombing of the hospital in Gaza that killed over 400 Palestinians is being protested around the world. Hayam Regev, Israeli ambassador to the European Union, says the war is not against the Palestinian people and that there is no humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Then an interview with Ian Bremmer, an American founder and president of the Eurasia Group, a political risk research and consulting firm. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Now, the carnage that we've seen at that Gaza hospital has inflamed emotions in many parts of the world. Protests erupted across the Middle East, and world leaders are calling for accountability. There's world fury over the explosion at the Al-Early Arab Hospital in Gaza. Protests are taking place in Libya, Yemen, and Iran, among others. Our demands are addressed to Arab leaders, not to the West. We don't want half solutions or half speeches like we condemn, we denounce. We are asking them to break off relations with the Zionist enemy. The Palestinian people did not commit a crime. They don't want anything. It's their home. Islamist militant group Hamas claims the hospital was hit by an Israeli airstrike. Israel says it did not carry out an attack on the hospital. It says a rocket was misfired by another Palestinian group, Islamic Jihad. As the blame game goes on, leaders around the world are condemning the blast. I am horrified 
by the hundreds of people killed at Al-Hahli Hospital this same day in Gaza by a strike that I strongly condemned earlier today. I call for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. There is no excuse for hitting a hospital full of civilians. All facts need to be established, and those responsible must be held accountable. In this tragic hour, we must all redouble our efforts to protect civilians from the fury of this war. Many people around the world want those civilians to be protected. The hospital blast is also sparring demonstrations far from the Middle East, including in the United States, in Colombia, and in the Philippines. Chaim Regev is the ambassador of Israel to the European Union and NATO in Brussels, and he's now joining me here at the European Parliament in Strasbourg. Mr. Ambassador, the Parliament has uh, debated uh, the situation in Israel and uh, Gaza. Of course, the Hamas terror is rejected by all deputies, but the Parliament is also saying Israel should do a little bit more to protect civilians in Gaza. What, what do you say? What I'm saying is, first of all, we need to look how it started. Hamas provoke a war. The atrocities that they conduct cannot be forgotten and cannot be, there cannot be any excuse for that. Israel is acting according to international humanitarian law. Israel is, the war, this war is not against the Palestinian people, it's not against civilians, it's not against uh, men, women that are not involved. It's only against Hamas activities and terrorists. So we'll do all in our power to avoid, to avoid harming uninvolved people and civilians. Nevertheless, the European Union says there is a, already a humanitarian crisis in Gaza because the two million people are deprived of water, food and so on. And the EU will now send, if it's possible, humanitarian aid uh, to Gaza Strip. So what can Israel do to avoid that? We are not, I'm not aware of any humanitarian crisis. We are monitoring the situation. There is no humanitarian crisis. The movements of people is because we do not want to harm any uninvolved civilian. This is why Israel, our uh, army and defense establishment call the population to move from areas that make some they might be harmed. So again, the purpose of this warning that we will not harm any of people that are not involved. Well, Hamas is saying that Israel attacked the hospital in the European Union, for example, the head of the commission, Ursula von der Leyen, also said the facts have to be established. Uh, I mean, of course, you are the ambassador of Israel, you tell your story, Hamas tells the other story, so what shall the public do? It's about time to believe and to trust Israel official statement and no terror organization statement. But we have the proof. It's, there is no question mark on that. It should not happen. Civilians should not be part of any, any kind of, of this, this conflict. We can now talk to Ian Bremmer, political scientist and president and founder of the Eurasia Group and G Zero Media. Mr. Bremmer, good to have you on the show. Now, what influence does oh, the international see. community have over what happens between Israel and Hamas? The international community? Uh, I wish I knew where that was. Uh, there was an effort by Brazil to put forward a Security Council resolution that would both condemn Hamas terrorism and also uh, urge uh, focus on humanitarian support for the Palestinians. That failed. 
uh, with an American veto. The United States, of course, is Israel's most important ally uh, in the world. Israel's America's most important ally in the region. Uh, a lot of the developed world is aligned with that, if not completely. Most of the global south is not. And almost everyone is unified in having ignored the Palestinians for most of the last decade. Uh, but that turns out to be something we shouldn't have been agreed upon. Uh, and uh, and the world is getting a lot more challenging because the pivot away from the Middle East uh, proves to you that you have to continue uh, to keep focusing. We have seen Qatar and Turkey offering to mediate. Antony Blinken has toured the region, so has Annalena Baerbock. China is sending someone soon. Is there anybody who's suited to really achieve something in this? The Americans are most suited uh, in, in the sense that they have the most leverage over Israel. Biden doesn't like or trust Netanyahu, but that doesn't mean uh, that they won't work together. They will. And given that the Israelis are the ones that are now on the back of the terrorist atrocities in October 7th, are planning a ground invasion that will be incredibly bloody um, on the back uh, of a couple of weeks of bombings, it is the United States that's going to play the most significant role. The Chinese will be on the margins. The Europeans will be on the margins. They all understand that. But it would be nice to have the regional players involved actively, especially uh, because uh, we're talking about the potential of this war expanding, expanding into the West Bank, into Lebanon with Hezbollah, maybe more broadly. And in that regard, the biggest news this week was a disappointment. Uh, it was the fact that the Palestinians, the Jordanians and the Egyptians canceled what was going to be a summit with President Biden uh, in the region on the back of his trip to Israel. Yeah, he traveled to Israel. He met with Netanyahu, someone you say he doesn't like or trust. He did come with a strong message of solidarity. But in the wake of what Israel is calling its 9-11, he also came with a message of caution, didn't he? He did. And, and if it's Israel's 9-11, and of course, in terms of the impact on a country that size, it's much greater than 9-11 was for the United States. But the U.S. does have some lessons. 20 years of war and terror led to a lot of failures. Uh, I mean, failures domestically in um, a an overly repressive policy uh, that took away human liberties, especially in terms of profiling Muslims in the United States, but also and much more tragically failed wars in Iraq and Afghanistan that cost trillions of dollars and disrupted millions of millions of lives. And the United States does not want Israel to repeat those mistakes, a ground occupation. Uh, of Gaza would certainly go a long way in repeating those mistakes. I will tell you personally, I, I think that Israel has every right to want to destroy the terrorist organization Hamas. But I also need to tell you, we're talking about 30 or 40,000 fighters in Gaza. And I do not know how Israel can accomplish that without radicalizing far more Palestinians to become, okay, they'll change their name, but an organization that will be much more dangerous for Israel and for the region. I think it was Golda Meir uh, that, that once said that we won't hate you um, for killing our children. We will hate you for making us kill your children. And that precisely is the danger, that when you're fighting a monster, you cannot become a monster. And Israel cannot be in a position um, where the, the radicalization that has already occurred among Palestinians, that has already occurred in Gaza, which has become functionally unlivable over the past decades, gets worse and worse and worse. Again, um, Hamas 
uh, needs to leave this earth. Uh, anyone that's engaged in directly targeting civilians, the elderly, the children, we cannot have, they, they have no place in civilized society. But, but Israel has to be so incredibly careful um, in, in not making matters vastly worse um, in the way that they decide to pursue a legitimate response against those terrorist attacks. As Ian Bremmer, great speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Those interviews and report were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. Also available at most podcast sites. Next, France 24. At the United Nations Security Council, Brazil proposed a humanitarian pause in Gaza, which the U.S. vetoed. Press reviews on the hospital being bombed in Gaza. There are international calls for an independent investigation into the hospital bombing in Gaza. France 24. Well, almost up into the last minute, there was hope that the United States might let this resolution go through. Indeed, Brazil, which penned this draft resolution, worked really hard to make it palatable to the United States. The word ceasefire was not even in there. It simply talked about humanitarian pauses. But alas, as the uh, Brazilian delegate lamented, sadly, this resolution, he said, did not pass. Uh, the United States used its veto. And Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the US ambassador, said that this was because the US wanted to leave uh, room uh, for Biden, who is in the region, to uh, carry out diplomacy on the ground, to leave room for that. And also because the United States uh, objected to the fact that this resolution uh, did not express uh, the right or support the right for Israel to exist. Uh, the uh, Russian delegate uh, really slammed the United States veto, uh, saying uh, that uh, this was uh, hypocrisy and double standards. China's ambassador also uh, described uh, this as unbelievable, the fact that the U.S. had decided to use its veto. Really, the United States has been a staunch defender of Israel in the Security Council. But this time, seeing as the wording uh, of this uh, resolution had been so carefully written uh, as to be uh, acceptable to all sides, it was expected that it might pass. So really, this is uh, seen by many here as a failure of the UN security to fulfill its mandate to uh, ensure peace and security across the world. A lot of shock and anger in the front pages today. Stuart, this is from L'Humanité, the French communist paper, which says it's uh, uh, one horror too much on its front page uh, of those strikes that targeted a, a civilian hospital in Gaza. The paper noting that, quote, this crime constitutes a new turning point in this war between Israel and Hamas. Uh, this is from the uh, daily uh, Emirati pa paper, The National, which also evokes here the shock and anger as the region reels uh, from that hospital blast. And you see here pictures uh, of, of protests across the Muslim world from uh, Ramallah to Tunis uh, to Istanbul and Beirut here. Uh, so that paper really focusing on the backlash uh, to these strikes. There's also one word on the French papers that you'll see a lot today. This word here, l'embrasement, which uh, I guess translates to sort of fiery escalation. It's on the front page of Libération, but also Le Parisien, which wonders how to avoid this conflict uh, from, and, uh, from uh, transforming into a fiery escalation, a wider conflict across the region.
What about um, papers in the region? What are they saying, Dipti? Well, this is from uh, the Israeli press, uh, the Jerusalem Post today, uh, focusing on uh, Joe Biden's visit, but also uh, here focusing on who it says was responsible for that hit on that uh, hospital in Gaza, saying it was the Palestinian Islamic uh, Jihad responsible. Uh, with, uh, the paper says, Israel Defense Forces providing firm proof that absolves Israel of responsibility. Hamas and Israel trade blame for the bombing of the Al-Ahli Baptist Hospital in Gaza and calls mount for an independent inquiry. The likelihood of that happening, however, is right now quite low. The Palestinian Authority on Wednesday called for an international inquiry into the attack on the hospital while laying the blame squarely at the hands of Israel. Theoretically, there are legal bodies in place that can handle an inquiry, even if, as a former International Criminal Court prosecutor told France 24, it is of secondary importance right now. Though the legal mechanisms are there, in reality they are hampered by Israel not recognising the jurisdiction of the International Criminal Court, which means it would be unlikely to collaborate with it. Establishing the truth is also likely to be a challenge given the difficulties of preserving evidence in a war zone. The relative dearth of journalists present in Gaza also means international media outlets have had to rely on second-hand sources to piece together what happened. Some Western governments, such as France and the United Kingdom, have been cautious in apportioning blame for the attack. An inquiry might be able to cast light on what happened, but whether those same governments will throw their support behind one is another matter. Those reports and press review were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com, as well as on YouTube channel called France 24 English. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or want to support this listener-funded program, contact information is available at outfarpress.com or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Your support helps the weekly production of this show, which is distributed without cost to more than 100 radio stations across the world. Many, many thanks to a very good longtime supporter in Willits. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. The Guardian laid off famous political cartoonist Steve Bell, France banned pro-Palestinian protest, the BBC removed six journalists for pro-Palestinian tweets, and MSNBC sidelined three prominent Muslim journalists. Egyptian authorities said Israel is not cooperating with efforts to deliver humanitarian aid to Gaza. Radio Havana, Cuba. The British news outlet The Guardian says it will not renew cartoonist Steve Bell's contract after he submitted a cartoon depicting Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Bell said the cartoon that shows Netanyahu preparing to operate on his own stomach containing an outline of Gaza was rejected for evoking the anti-Semitic, quote, pound of flesh, a reference to the character of Shylock in Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. The character of Shylock, one of the best-known examples of literary anti-Semitism, has been used for centuries to promote a racist depiction of Jews as greedy and obsessed with money. 
Bell told the BBC that the accusations, quote, made no sense to me as there is no reference to that play, Merchant of Venice, in my cartoon, which shows Netanyahu poised to perform a surgical operation on himself while wearing boxing gloves, the catastrophic consequences of which are yet to be seen. He said it was inspired by an old cartoon of U.S. President Lyndon Johnson during the Vietnam War. Authorities in some countries have been accused of cracking down on civil liberties in the name of defusing communal tensions, with France banning pro-Palestinian protests and government officials in the United Kingdom asking whether waving a Palestinian flag could be a criminal offence. On Tuesday, a surgeon working at a hospital in Gaza said in a social media post that his family in the UK had been harassed by British counter-terrorism forces after he had spoken with the BBC about deteriorating humanitarian conditions in Gaza, where Israel has cut off access to food, water and electricity for the Strip's 2.3 million residents. The BBC has taken six of its reporters off-air as an investigation has been launched into their pro-Palestinian posts on the social media platform X. The BBC News Arabic reporters were accused of breaking the so-called impartiality rules of the British broadcaster by making posts on X, formerly known as Twitter, that appeared to be in support of the Palestinian Hamas resistance movement or critical of Israel in the ongoing war in the besieged Gaza Strip. The BBC said in a statement, quote, We are urgently investigating the matter. We take allegations of breaching of our editorial and social media guidelines with the utmost seriousness, and if and when we find breaches, we will act, including taking disciplinary action. Israel's prestige is crying in the corner, reported the Daily Telegraph. According to media reports, all the posts have been taken down, although the reporters have not been formally suspended. The reporters, including those based in Egypt and Lebanon, were also accused of liking posts that appeared to be in support of Hamas or critical of Israel. In a separate statement, the BBC said that a member of the news Arabic team in Tel Aviv had been stopped and assaulted at the end of last week by Israeli police in a vehicle marked as a media. The British broadcaster said, quote, journalists must be able to report on the conflict in Israel-Gaza freely. Last week, American broadcaster MSNBC quietly took three prominent Muslim journalists, including Metai Hassan, out of the anchor's chair in the aftermath of the current war between Palestinians and Israel. NBC claimed that the changes are, quote, coincidental and denied that the hosts, three of the most high-profile Muslim on-air personalities on the network, are being sidelined, saying that the three Muslim journalists continue to appear on air to report and provide analysis. The apparent dismissals came after the editorial board of the New York Post published a scathing attack on MSNBC for its, quote, shameful coverage of the Palestinian operation. Egyptian authorities have said that Israel is not cooperating with efforts to deliver humanitarian aid into the besieged Gaza Strip. Cairo said earlier this week that the Rafah crossing, the sole remaining exit out of Gaza, has been rendered nearly inoperable by continuous Israeli airstrikes with hundreds of tons of aid stalled on the Egyptian side. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu. There's no podcast, however. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15.140 and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6,060.60 or 61.65.
At their website, RadioHC.cu, you could stream the English version at noon on Monday through Friday Pacific Daylight Saving Time. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You have to look harder these days because of U.S. and E.U. prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows, find information for online support. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 27th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. For 26 years, the shortwave report has been produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. While I am recuperating from spinal surgery, I am staying in a house that is connected to the grid. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.